Good morning, New Life Church. Glad you're here this morning. It's a day I've been uh, looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, for those of you who are, are, are visiting here, a special welcome to you. My name is Rusty. I've been here for two and a half years, which just means I've showed up just in time for the party without having to do much of the work. Isn't that a good place to be? You just show up just in time for the party. That's great. So this is an exciting morning. Good morning to be here. Uh, my mom and dad were visiting from out of town here last Sunday. Some of you have met my parents. But even if you hadn't, if you saw my dad from across the foyer, you would know that was Rusty's dad. Because I look a lot like my dad, uh, sadly. But um, he came to our newcomer's luncheon after the service last Sunday. And instead of putting his name, Arthur, on his name tag, he just wrote, Rusty in 30 years. And I just thought... <laughs> It's true. I'm already starting to bald here, and oh. But apparently that's for my mom, so I can't blame my dad for that one, I guess. But I look a lot like my dad. I act a lot like my dad. I mean, he didn't choose this. This is just what he gave me. And, um, you know, in all sorts of ways, all sorts of mannerisms, the way I walk drives Erica crazy. Like, my dad only has one speed, and I only have one. This is, this is the way I walk. <laughs> like, always five paces ahead of my wife, and I feel bad for her. But I can't do anything about it. It's my dad's fault. And um, <laughs> I just keep blaming it on my dad. Even the way I talk, uh, the way I, I don't talk, uh, another thing that drives my wife crazy is, is these long, awkward pauses before I answer any question, which makes me wonder if I've heard anything she's just said. It just takes me a while to process an answer. And that's another thing I get from my dad. Again, uh, I didn't choose any of this. It was just given to me. That's just a, an inheritance, a legacy that I've received. So if you think back to yourself, with your family, is there anything that you've received from your mom or your dad? Not something you maybe chose. Maybe you would have chosen it. Maybe you wouldn't have. But can you think of something that you've received from them as like an inheritance, uh, as a legacy from your parents? My guess is you can. Like some of you, you came from like one of those huggy families. You know, one of those families that they're always hugging one another and they're always telling one another how much they love each other? Did you come from one of those families? Maybe you don't, maybe you married someone from one of those families. That's a tough place to be, right? Like you didn't, you didn't, you loved one another, you just didn't show it in your family, right? And then you married someone and they're always touching one another and being affectionate and that was kind of hard for you to get used to that because that's not what you received. I mean, we've all received something that's shaped us. Those who have come before us have shaped us, kind of helped make us who we are, to a degree at least. Uh, I, that's, so that's certainly true for our, our, our biological families, but I think that's true for our spiritual families as well. I have a piece of paper here, a photocopy of a paper that was signed by 27 people on March 19th, 1970. The original is in a... Uh, humidified controlled room in the basement of the church. You know, it, it's, in, it's in the crypt. That's our constitution. But uh, they wouldn't let me touch it. I asked John. He said, no, I couldn't touch it. But this is, um, this is a photocopy. 27 signatures, the first 27 people that on day one constituted New Life Church 49 years ago this Tuesday. Um, this is where it all began with these people. In fact, there's a bunch of names on, on here uh, of people that are, I think, in the room right now. I see Al James. Your, yours is the first signature, Al, on there. So if you're one of the 27 people who signed this, if you can, if you can remember back, back whether you signed this or not, 
I didn't mean it to come out that way, I swear, I didn't. I didn't. I did not mean that. No disrespect. I'm just saying it's a long time ago. You're not sure. You're, anyway, okay, I'll stop. But if, if you think maybe your name is on here, why don't you just stand? I'd like to see. I know there's a few of you here in the room. Um, there's a few there. There's a few there. Four there. Anyway. Great. That's awesome. And Marie, uh, and, and I know how much you guys like audience participation. So I just want to do a little exercise here. Just, uh, just to kind of give us a sense of, of what this family has looked like over the years. I want you to think about, if you're a part of this church, uh, the year that you entered the life of this family. You became part of the, the family of New Life Church. So think of what, what year was that? And I want to ask you to kind of stand in blocks there as we go through the life of the church. So if you joined this family between 1970 and 1980, I want you to stand. Between 1970 and 1980. Okay, there's a handful of you. Great, you can take your seat. If you join between uh, 1980 and 1990, I want you to stand. Okay, great. You can take your seat. If you became a part of this family between 1990 and 2000, stand. Cool. All right, you can take your seat. I don't know that hardly anyone has stood in the balcony yet. Um, (laughs) Between 2000 and 2010, that was when you joined this family, stand. Okay, awesome. You can take your seat. Uh, now let's shorten it up to five years. Now between 2010 and 2015. Okay, great. Now lastly, between 2015 and today. All right. Now, I didn't know what that was going to look like, but that was pretty cool. If you saw what I saw, like, it, it was just this kind of like even progression through the decades of constant change as people came into the life of this church. So if, if, uh, if this is your church and you are part of this spiritual family and you are the recipient of a legacy, of an inheritance, It says in Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, the Lord uh, your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Which is a way of saying you will be the recipient of the blessing of those who came before you that were faithful. And that's true as a spiritual family. Today, we are the recipient of of benefits and blessing of the faithfulness of those who have come before us. And even if you've only been in the life of this church for 49 days instead of 49 years, this family is and will continue to shape you and impact your story. And I think that's pretty neat because this church has a pretty cool story. And as I've been getting to know it, I got, wow, there's a lot to celebrate over these years. You, regardless of how long you've been here, you are a part of this big story that God has been writing for 49 years and the story that God is continuing to write and you are a part of that. You are helping write that story for the years to come as a part of being a part of this church. And so 
as we enter this 50th year, we're doing two things. We're, we're looking back, but then also we're looking forward. And this is why we've got this slogan here, which is on the banners. And this is gonna be our slogan for this 50th year. Inspired by our past, invested in our future. We're looking back to be inspired to move forward into the things God has for us as his church. There is something special about the number 50. It's kind of unique in a few different ways. Uh, it's unique professionally, there's a book, well-known book by a guy named Bob Beaufort called Halftime, and he talks about this transition at halftime in life. He says that around the age 50, you, you move from try, pursuing success to pr- pursuing significance. Up to age 50, you're, you're, you're learning, you're accumulating, you're getting. Uh, at age 50, you go from getting, or you ought to, go from getting to starting to give. To go from accumulating, you're now maybe at the peak of your profession or something, and now you start passing it on. You move from success to significance. So that's kind of true at around the age 50, maybe in our our professional life. It's true that that's a pivotal uh, time in the life of our family often. Now some of you, you're 50, you're right around that age. Maybe you've just become grandparents, uh, or maybe that's going to happen soon, or you hope it happens soon, or... If those kids would just get married and give you grandkids already, you know, I'm not sure where you're at. Uh, But it's around the age 50, we often go from being parents to grandparents. You see, when you're a parent, you add by addition. When you become a a grandparent, now the, the growth is by multiplication. And at that point, it can start to really pick up steam. Right? I mean, sometimes they just start coming. I'm one of four kids. My parents now have 12 grandkids, a couple more on the way. Not, sorry, that wasn't my announcement. I just, I just realized. <laughs> we're done, we're done, okay? With my siblings. Um, so 50 seems to be kind of that uh, a pivotal year, a year of transition into something different and, and something maybe more fruitful. You know, biblically speaking, 50 is a really significant year. Probably the most significant year. You know, when God gathered his people, the descendants of Abraham, he's, he's leading them into the promised land, and along the way, through Moses, he gives his instruction for the people. And a part of his instruction on the people is, is he gives them certain days and years to, to, um, to kind of celebrate or to, to recognize in different ways. Uh, and, and this is to be a rhythm of the life of the people. In Leviticus chapter 25, you can turn there if you'd like. I'll have the words up on the screen. I don't know that I've ever asked you in my two and a half years here to turn to Leviticus. This might be a first. Uh, in Leviticus, God is giving this instruction to his people. At the beginning of chapter 25, he talks about the Sabbath year. He says, you're gonna have six normal years where you're gonna go about your business, you're gonna plant your crops, you're gonna harvest, but on the seventh year, that's to be a Sabbath year for you. You're not, you're not to plant crops, you're not to tend your vineyards, the land will have rest. It is to be a year of rest every seventh year. And then he continues in verse eight. Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years. What's seven times seven? 49. So that the seventh Sabbath year, uh, 
years amount to, sorry, the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the ram's horn sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, sound the ram's horn throughout your land and consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. It shall be, uh, now say that next word, jubilee. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. And so God set aside the 50th year as the most significant year in the life of his people. And he called it the Jubilee year. Uh, The rest of the chapter goes to kind of describe what it looked like to observe that year. And you can read it on your own if you're in life group using the sermon-based discussion guides. You're gonna look a bit more deeply into that this week. Um, But he said, you're supposed to, on this 50th year, proclaim liberty throughout the land of all of its inhabitants to all its inhabitants. That's what Jubilee was about. It was about proclaiming liberty, freedom to the whole land. Now what did that look like in this context? Well we find out that the 50th year was the year where everyone's debts were paid. Who wants a Jubilee year? (laughs) Who's like, man, I'll take a Jubilee year right about now. You know, life happens. Tragedies befall you. You know, Farmer Joe has got a bunch of kids to feed. Farmer Joe comes down sick. He can't do his work out in the field. He's got to borrow. Farmer Joe goes into debt. Life happens, right? Maybe someone's, they've got some gambling addiction and they spend it all and they have to go into deep debt and they find themselves, whether it's their doing or not, in a really difficult place. Um, Distressed, oppressed, deep in debt. And God said, On the 50th year, everybody's land and their homes must be returned to them. If you're in debt and you need to like lease your land or lease your home, you can do that for the number of years between now and the Jubilee year. Or if you're in debt and and the way to get out of that is to like hire out your labor, you know, you become essentially an indentured servant to someone else, a servant in a richer person's house to pay off your debt, you can do that, but on the 50th year, all the debt must be paid, and you you, you are released. You are free to go back, and you are to take back your land and your home. It was like this great reset button that God gave his people. Why? Well, I mean, we see our world, The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, there's no way out of the cycle. God says, I want everyone to be prosperous. I want everyone to be free. I want no one to be a slave. I want everyone to have their own land and their own home. So every 50th year, everyone takes back their land and their home. It was a year of freedom. It was ushered in by the blowing of the shofar, which is the ram's horn which we have here, you'll hear in a few minutes. That, that, that horn was blown throughout the land at the beginning of the 50th year and then you had this special year. Uh, it was a year of redemption, a year of restoration, a year of rest, a year of blessing for all the people. No debt, no debt. At the beginning of the 50th year there was no debt. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, the problem was it never happened. 
You never hear about Jubilee again. The people, they enter the promised land, they go about their business, they start, you know, building their homes and their businesses and all their systems, and the Jubilee never happens, at least as far as we can tell. There's no mention of it, there's no record that they, that they followed any of these instructions whatsoever. And you can imagine how it might be hard to do that, right? That's just not how the world works. It's not the system of the world. And so the Jubilee never happened. Hundreds of years later, though, the prophet Isaiah is writing and he's prophesying about this Messiah, this person that God would send to bring salvation to his people, to bring freedom. And so we have in Isaiah chapter uh, 61, verse one and two, he prophesies these words about this coming one that God was gonna send. And about this one it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What does that sound an awful lot like? Doesn't that sound like Jubilee? One is coming, and when this one comes, he will usher in, he will proclaim the year of God's favor. He will declare liberty to all the inhabitants of the land. So Isaiah prophesies this. Hundreds of years go by, maybe 700 years go by, and then one day, there's a man, Jesus, who was baptized. Luke tells the story. Luke chapter four, Jesus is baptized. He's tested, tempted in the wilderness. And his first act of ministry, this Jesus, is to go to his church uh, on, on Saturday. They worshiped on Saturday in their synagogues. We're told in Luke chapter four, Jesus goes into his synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth. Um, and he stood up to read. From the, scroll that the, uh, uh, from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him. Unrolling it, Jesus found the place where it is written, and then it's these words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Cut the tension with a knife. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus says, that one that Isaiah wrote about that was gonna usher in this jubilee, this year of the Lord's favor, I am he. I have come to usher in jubilee, and not, not, just a, not just a special year to observe, but a new reality in which to live, a jubilee reality. This is what Paul talked about later on. Um, you find it in Colossians chapter two. He says uh, in verse 16, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day, like observing any of these certain special days or festivals. He says, they are a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
He's saying the Jubilee was never about one year where people got their land and their homes back. It was about something much bigger than that. It was about a deeper freedom that God wanted to give. And that freedom is found in Jesus Christ. He is our Jubilee. So I mean, it would be nice if, he, if Jesus just paid our debt for our homes. Like you can try that this week. Go to your banker and say, I'm not paying no more. And you say, what? Jesus paid it all. I sing it in church like once in a while, Jesus paid it all. Say, I don't think you understand. <clears throat> what sort of liberty did Jesus come to, to usher in for us? Well, Jesus frees us from our guilt and our shame, the shame of our sin. Jesus on the cross canceled, he paid for all of our debt. Everything that stood in the way between us and God, all of our debt, all of our shame, everything we've done, all of the dirt, the grime, everything we pick up through life, Jesus paid it all in his sacrifice of himself on the cross for us so that we might know the freedom of forgiveness, the freedom of being clean, the freedom of having no debt to God. Isn't that good? The freedom of forgiveness, the freedom of cleanliness, no shame, no guilt. Jesus came to usher in the freedom from our fears and anxieties. To, to, to come into a place where we know that we are a child of God. He is a father who gives us unconditional love, unconditional acceptance that we belong to him, that he loves us and he will care for us. Jesus came to usher in freedom from fear and anxiety, freedom from despair about the future. Because it says, you know, if, if, if God did not withhold his own son from us but, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with giving us his son graciously give us everything that we need? If he doesn't withhold his son, he's not gonna withhold anything. He's gonna work all things together for the good of those who love him. This is the God we know through Jesus Christ. He frees us from despair and gives us a certain hope for the future, that God has a plan, that God will provide. Jesus frees us from the grip of our sin. You know those bad habits you picked up from mom and dad? or from other places, or maybe you gotta blame yourself. Whatever. Jesus, by his Holy Spirit that God gives us when we put our faith in Jesus, enables us to change, gives us the power to become new, frees us from the grip of our sinful, destructive habits. Jesus ushers in this new reality of freedom in our lives. Uh, Jesus brings jubilation. You know, that's a word we use every once in a while, and I never made the connection before, but this week it hit me. Jubilation. Oh, that comes from the word jubilee. It's a, jubilation is a state of living in jubilee. Jesus brings us jubilation. So, so uh, he came to free us, bring us into a place of liberty, and that's good. I mean, I hope you know that. That's what Jesus offers. That's what Jesus gives. It's wonderful. But this is what I want us to 
know today, we are blessed to be a blessing. Now we've, we sang that in, in the song before the message, ever blessing, ever blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. Why don't you say it together? We are blessed to be a blessing. Jesus said when he called his first disciples, he says, come follow me. And that's after he had multiplied the fish. They're like, yeah, I'll follow this guy. This guy's gonna do good things for me. I'll follow this guy. He said, come follow me. Oh, and I'm gonna use you to go out and fish for other people. I will make you a fisher of men. Come follow me, I'm gonna bless you, and then I'm gonna use you to go out and be a blessing to others, that others might know the liberty that I'm gonna give you. We are blessed to be a blessing. So our call as a church is an extension of Jesus' ministry. Jubilee was for proclaiming liberty to all the inhabitants of the land. We are, as we enter this 50th year, we are a Jubilee people. Our task is not to just enjoy our liberty. Our task is to be the proclaimers of this great liberty to all the inhabitants of our land. That's what it means to be a Jubilee people. As God is giving us jubilation, that 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 needs to cascade out of our lives into our relationships, into our marriage or other relationships and keep cascading into our neighborhoods and our communities. And there should be a ripple coming from this church, a ripple of liberty that goes out from this place. We are a jubilee people. So as we enter this 50th year, uh, it really it's as much about looking forward as it is about looking back. We, we want to look back so that we're inspired by the faithfulness of people that came before and by the faithfulness of God to have faith for the future. It's in that spirit that in the last couple of weeks uh, or months, we as a church have adopted a new vision, a new vision statement, which maybe you've, you've already uh, heard. Now, our mission remains unchanged. Our mission will never change. Our mission as a church is to uh, make disciples who experience new life in Christ, express new life to one another, and extend new life to those who don't yet know God. Our mission as a church is to lead people right, into the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. That'll never change. Our vision, though, is the how. How are we gonna do that? How are we gonna be a jubilee people? And so we've adopted a, a new vision and it's on the banner up above the cross out in the foyer. A renewed vision reads like this. Why don't you read it with me? To connect, equip, and send people to extend Jesus to Stonewall, the Interlake, and the world. This is the vision that's gonna guide us forward. And in, in our last couple of minutes here, I just wanna show you how really this is just a putting into practice the pattern of Jesus. As a church, we're not inventing this stuff. We're following the pattern of our Lord Jesus in our ministry to our communities and to the world. And so as we look at this vision, just, just three words that, that will guide us as we implement this. Three things that I want us to see here. And the first is this word replication. The goal is replication. Replication means to reproduce yourself. It means to make another of you. Jesus, in his final words to his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, you know it well, the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I'm gonna be with you throughout all of that. I'm gonna help you. 
So he gives this process. I want you to go. I want you to connect people to Christ and to one another in community. I want you to equip them, raise them up with the knowledge and the skill so that they too can go and do the same. And it's gonna be this cycle, not just addition, adding, but the cycle of multiplication. So what I want us to see is that it's our task, each and every one of us, to be fishers of men. We're all called to be disciple makers. We're all called to reach another, to be a part of this cycle of replication. So going forward, this is something we want to guide us in our ministry and shape us as a church. The goal is replication. The second word is relationship, that our approach is relationship. How do we go about doing that? Well, we think the answer is relationship because that's what Jesus' answer was. I mean, how did Jesus change the world? Was it through radio and big broadcasts piped into all corners of the world? Was it that massive open-air crusades, just get millions and, you know, on a big field, some hillside? No. How did Jesus change the world? He invested in a few with relationship. He said, I'm going, I'm not gonna be here forever. He gathered 12 people around him and he poured himself into those relationships and he built them up and he transformed them so that when he left, they would go do the same and it happened again and again and again. In 2,000 years, you're here because of that. That's pretty cool. Jesus' approach to ministry, to, to this mission was relationship because people grow through groups. They grow in relationship, not through rows, they grow, people grow, they're changed, they're equipped, they're sent in relationship. And so one of the things that we wanna do going forward here is to consider what does it look like as a church to, to be about building transformative relationships as Jesus did. The third word is the, uh, the word regional, that the focus is regional. We've put some regional language in our, our vision to give us a target. Everyone needs a target. Jesus gave his guys a target. In fact, in, in Luke's account of Jesus' ministry, his final words that Jesus said to his disciples, we find it in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He, he says, okay guys, I'm going. You're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, where you're at, Judea and Samaria, the region, the province you're in, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth. And again, it's just this ripple going out. And this is the pattern that Jesus left for his disciples. And so we've considered, what does that look like for us? What does that mean for us, 2019 in Stonewall? Where we meet. Now, many of you, you're not from Stonewall. You come from other places. What does it look like to be a church, not just where people come from different directions, but a church that goes in different directions and is for proclaiming liberty to all the inhabitants of our land. And so I believe that God has placed this church and you in it. We are ideally placed to reach our region. I think that's a call that God is giving this church, New Life Church, to reach not just this community, but our communities, our region for Jesus Christ, not just people that gather, but then people that go. Why? To be jubilee people, to proclaim liberty to all the inhabitants of the land. 
So this is our vision. You're going to see it there in the foyer all year. I'm going to test you. March 17th, 2020. You know, I feel that God um, was just kind of thinking about this coming year has just laid on my heart a verse from Isaiah chapter 54 too. And I just want to present this to us as our theme verse for the year, this Jubilee year. Um, Isaiah 54 two, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Now this is God's word to his people. Why don't you read it with me? Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. That was pretty good. Now I added the capital letters because you know the Bible, it doesn't distinguish that. So that, that's me. Because I, but but if, I, if I were to think how God would say this, I think that that would be a little extra emphasis there. All right? So I want, let's read this again and then, and then that, last, that last line, let's just put a little bit more energy into that. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Amen. So this will be our verse for this year as we move into the new things that God has for us. You know, this is a church which, which has an incredible past and we're gonna hear a little bit about that throughout the course of the year as we approach our 50th anniversary. This church has an exciting story and I'm excited about the story that God is writing through us for the future. I really am. God has great and amazing things to do in us and through us. He wants to use us to be a blessing, to proclaim liberty, to be a jubilee people. We are blessed to be a blessing. We've been set free to proclaim freedom for others. May it be so. In a couple of minutes, Al James, he's the first guy on the list, number one signature, Al James. In a few minutes, Al James is gonna come up and he's gonna lead us as a church in a prayer of consecration. And at that point, we're gonna be standing and I just invite you, if you just wanna open your hands and, and this prayer is all about us Yielding ourselves to God and saying, God, we're at your disposal. Uh, we're yours. So he's going to lead us in a few minutes in a, in a prayer of consecration going forward. Um, and, and then uh, we're going to have the shofar blow to usher in this jubilee year in the life of our church. And then we're going to have cake to celebrate. But before we do that, just have a little video we'd like to share with you. <laughs> 